sons. I want to speak to you briefly on this subject this morning. Killing two birds with one stone. Tell somebody, say, one day you will have an opportunity. Say it like you're hollering at your kids. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not in a library this morning. I'm in the church. Say, one day you will have an opportunity to get double for your trouble. It is very important for you to understand that the devil's desire for anything in your life is always division. People will take on the characteristics of Christ or they will take on the characteristics of, of, of Satan. I'm not saying everybody's demon possessed. I said characteristics. There are two characteristics only made up in four divisions of people. And that is this. People will either add or multiply or they will divide and subtract. You have to decide in your life who those people are. But the enemy has a desire. When the devil, through the Philistine army, showed up to defeat the Israelites, they picked out of the whole land of Israel. They came and camped at Judah. Isn't it amazing? They did not camp at Jerusalem. They did not camp at Jordan. They did not camp at Gilgal. They camped in the land of Judah. Both of their cities have distinctive Hebrew meanings. It's said that they came from two different areas. And those two different areas, one means to divide. Everybody say to divide. What a lot of people don't know is... That the spirit that COVID brought with it was a spirit of division. It was to separate us. And if you'll remember, they always said the safe distance was six feet. Are y'all here? A six foot distance. What amazed me is I don't understand how some people can just fall in line with stuff that makes no sense. Like wearing your mask to the restaurant, but you don't have to wear it in the restaurant. Now, I don't know about you. I, I'm not the smartest person on planet Earth, but I'm smart enough to know that makes no sense. I don't have a problem with wearing a mask. You can wear a mask for various reasons. And it's probably effective or they would not be masked in the world. But it doesn't make sense for us to do that until you realize that the greatest nature God put in us was not as bulls. We are not like mules. We are like sheep. And sheep, listen to this, have no ability to sense danger. Sheep are led. You don't scare them into anything. 
and they will follow whoever is in front of them. I mean, I wondered if it made sense. Flying on the airlines, wearing masks. And not long ago, we were, I was traveling and I was in Dallas. And I'll never forget it because it really just hit me. And I just got angry that we were so stupid as people. We're in the plane like this. And they told us on the plane, don't put your mask down to tell us what you want to drink. For a Coke, put up one. I ain't making this up. For a Diet Coke, put up two. For water, put up zero. And for Sprite, put up three or something like that. And then when we give you your drink, put your mask down to take a sip and put it back up after you take your sip. We are just interested in the safety of people. Are you here? We are absolutely sitting there and they're passing out food and people are eating like this. And I'm just sitting there thinking, are we that gullible? That stupid. And, and the thing is, is watch this. What the devil couldn't do in 2,000 years, COVID did in two weeks. Made us doubt whether the weapon would prosper. We shouted, no weapon formed against you shall prosper until COVID showed up. I, yeah, see, 17 of us. And everything was dividing us. If you didn't get the vaccine, bad person. What amazed me is how many people stood up and said, you're terrible if you don't get the vaccine. You're absolutely just one of the lowest forms of humanity on, on planet Earth. You don't care about anybody else but yourself. It, we, you should get it. It should be mandatory. Put them in the house and leave them there. Don't let them out. Y'all to amen me because it was worse in California than anywhere else. Y'all the craziest people in America. You and your governor. Crazy stuff, right? Terrible. If you didn't get the vaccine, you're horrible. But they're the same people that will stand up at the Capitol steps when it comes to abortion and say, my body, my rights. Don't tell me what to do with my body, preacher. You can't tell me. Don't try to make me feel bad about not doing with my body what you want to do with yours. It's my business. Well, shut up when it comes to my vaccine. Division. It divided the church. I was brought on to a, a panel. I thought we were getting ready to speak faith into people. And I got on a panel on, 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 on uh, one TV, very popular station around the world. There were four preachers on that panel with me, Pastor, and all of them were internationally known, and I preached for every one of them at their conferences. And when we sat down, the attack came to me. And the four preachers, it was all a setup. And they, they were all African-American pastors. And they were telling me, you have a, a your, the, your church is predominantly African-American. How can you open the doors of your church? They wanted me to answer to the 
to the me living so loosely with my congregation and having no concern over them. And I mean, one after another just came at me. My friends, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like a sitting duck. And I'm already mic'd up, so I can't leave. Lights are on, cameras are rolling. And I'm looking at them. And I didn't say anything. I felt the Holy Ghost just hold my tongue back, because that's not my nature. But I was just quiet. And finally, uh, Martin, whatever his name is, he was the host. Reuben Martin or something like that. He looked at me and he said, well, Bishop, we're going to give you a chance to respond. I said, well, the first thing I want to say is this. I preach at all four of y'all's churches. In fact, I've preached in many of your, in your pulpits in your absence from your church. You brought me in to preach. Preached all your conferences. Y'all have all preached at my church. So I've watched y'all for years, loved you for years, still love you. Think y'all are some of the greatest preachers I've ever heard and met. But I do want to say this. If you leave this set and one day you get back in that pulpit and you point your finger at the congregation in front of you and you go to hooping. See, white people and Mexicans don't know what hooping is. Hooping is when they go, oh, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. By his stripes, shut up. No, you don't believe by his stripes we're healed. Don't preach that. Don't go to modulating. And let me tell you one more thing. If God be for you, don't preach that. No weapon formed against you. Don't preach that. Come on, somebody. Greater is he that is in you. Don't preach that. You have power over the devil and over diseases and over sicknesses and over spirits. Don't preach that. At least be authentic. But it was the devil dividing us. And I finally came to understand the only time we're really six feet away from anybody is when they're dead. Because we bury them six feet under. And I'm here to tell you something. God said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And the reason the devil wanted to divide us is because one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And tonight we're going to kick the devil's tail back to hell where he belongs because we're coming together to raise the roof in this place. Unity is the absolute threat to the kingdom of darkness. Watch this. I'm going to shock you. Unity is the only weapon God was afraid of. You don't remember the Tower of Babel? The Bible says God sent an angel down to mess with their tongues so they couldn't understand each other. You know why? God said, if I do not divide them, they will accomplish what they're setting out to do. I, I can't even stop them, and I'm God. That's how powerful unity is. The devil didn't show up while Adam and Eve were on a picnic. He showed, out, showed up when Adam wasn't there with Eve. Distance. Division. And church folk are the worst for division. Hello? I've been in this all my life. I grew up in church. 
You can divide people with just rolling your eyes. Y'all ain't never seen people say a lot and they ain't said nothing? Just with their eyes. Woman walks by like, hmm. She don't even know she's in church. Look how she dressed. Division. The other place they came from what didn't mean division. You know what it meant? To uncover. The devil's desire is not just to divide us. If he can't divide us through gossip and through hate and through all this stuff, he'll, he'll send people to dig stuff up to divide us. They show up here to face Israel, and the enemy says, if I can separate them from their praise. He showed up at Judah to kick them out right there at that point because he knew praise is a weapon. Ooh, I don't know if y'all know it in California. Praise is a weapon. Tell your neighbor, say, my praise is a weapon. My praise is a weapon. Are y'all right? I only got 15 more minutes. Goliath comes out. We all know the story of Goliath. He comes out. According to the scripture, it doesn't give you the exact. He's either 10 foot tall or 14 foot tall. I'm going to use 14. It preaches better. He's a tall guy. Big, weighs hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You heard him. His armor was 200 pounds. His helmet was 30 pounds. His spear was 35 feet long. The head of it weighed 40 pounds. His shield was so heavy, a man walked and carried his shield where he went. The thing is, is the natural eye cannot see anything but the intimidating factor of the enemy. But if you look beyond, and if you have wisdom beyond things, God will reveal things to you. Goliath's name means soothsayer, which means his gift is getting you to believe what he's saying. Goliath is standing there. But what somebody smart knows is the body is not developed and built to handle that kind of weight. His knees have arthritis at a young age. His hands are deformed. And his knuckles, his facial features are huge. He steps out. He's slow. I can't beat Shaquille O'Neal up in a fight, but he can't catch me either. He's slow. Watch this. Everything about Goliath said run. Let me say it a different way. Goliath was not built to fight. He was built to make you not fight. Are y'all in this place today? 
times have we quit, threw in the towel, and the fight hasn't even started yet. His mouth is his weapon. He is speaking and fear. And when you're that big and you're deformed in your, in your features, your voice is different, your voice box. So when he speaks, he's speaking like this. And they, 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 they cower in fear. Think about it. They're all afraid and they're laying around. But I love what I read to you in verse 12. It said, now, David. I didn't get no big amens on that. Here's the thing, Pastor. The writer made a, gra a, a, a grammatic mistake. Now, Natalie would have catch it, but me and you ain't going to catch it. But a, gra a, a grammatical mistake. Verse 1 all the way to 12, it said, then, then the Philistine, then the Philistines, then Goliath, then Goliath. And, and it should have said in verse 12, then David. But it didn't say then, it said now David. Because if it was said then, then this particular principle in the scripture would only relate to David. But since it said now, it means it don't matter what time, it doesn't matter what enemy, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, you have a right to this principle right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. Now is the time for salvation. Somebody shout now. David has been in, are you okay? David has been in the pasture worshiping, serving his father, watching sheep. He's been with God. He's in there with God and he's worshiping. He even came to this battle to serve. He's got cheese and bread. He's not there for any purpose but to serve his father. So, but the chapter before, he's anointed king by Samuel. Not many, not many people know how to go from the palace to the pasture. Everybody knows how to go from the pasture to the palace. That's an easy transition. Life's getting better, life's getting better, life's getting better. But can you get anointed and still be a servant in the kingdom? Can, can God say, I'm going to do something great in you, and you not leave and leave the church saying, well, he hadn't done it here, so it must be somewhere else. Do you have the ability to wait on the Lord for him to prove what he said he would do, he can do? Because I don't know a lot of people that have the patience to wait on God. Got people that get saved and then the next week they're a prophet. Grab the microphone, want to prophesy. Call out somebody overweight and say, I sense you have back problems. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. Don't understand the principle and the power of serving it. And, being, and be, letting God use you in a serving way. Well, I'm anointed. Yeah, Jesus was anointed too. But the Bible says Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. 
The Bible says, Goliath came out there. Y'all read the chapter when you get time. Goliath came out there, Pastor Brian, and he said, send me a man. And you know what the Bible says in that chapter? He did it day and night for 40 days. You know what that tells me? The devil only really has to mess with me to mess up my life two times a day. When I wake up and when I'm about to go to bed. He wants to steal my expectation for the day and he wants to steal my rest for the night. Talking to me. Telling me things that are not true. Making me try to believe it just because he said it. Messing with me. And he don't even have to work hard for some of us. Some of us get messed with the first thing when our eyes open when we read what's said about us on Instagram. I mean, if you were in his book as much as you're on Facebook, maybe you'd get the victory. David is standing there. Goliath is taunting them day and night for 40 years days what Goliath doesn't know is David just left the presence of the Lord being anointed and going into the mountain and worshiping God and being called a man after God's own heart and see let me tell y'all something if you will decide to spend time with God and understand that everybody doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be catered to all day long. That you don't have to respond to every text, every call, and everything everybody else does. But you will spend time with God. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something right here. If you will spend time with God, watch. It's impossible to spend time with God and tell Him who He is and Him not tell you who you are. Oh, let me come over here to the left side and tell y'all. The minute you get alone with God and you say, God, you're the greatest. You are the most powerful. You are the most mighty. God speaks back and says, you're the head and not the tail. When you start looking up there at God and say, God, you're a healer and a restorer. He looks down and he says, by his stripes, you're already healed. You look up at God and you say, God, you're undefeated. Nobody has ever beat you. And God says, I know I'm the conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you whenever you tell God you're a royal you're holy you're powerful he says you're a royal priesthood you're a holy nation a peculiar people set apart for the praises of God look at somebody and say I know who I am Goliath is standing there David is standing there and David says Who's this dude? That's 2022. You know, who, who's it? Who is it? It had been in the 80s. Who's this brother? Who's this dude that's defying the army of God? Who does he think he is? And they, they're, all, they're all cowering. Now listen, isn't it, ob isn't it obvious how God, is, God is, knows everything? The same brothers that walked out six foot five with their chest out in, in Jesse's house in the living room the chapter before, they're hiding in the bushes. Because people love the platform, but they don't like the problems. People love the spotlight, but they can't take the heat. 
David says, who's this dude that's defying the very armies of God? And they said, it's Goliath, Gath. Well, the one thing about Hebrew children is this. Hebrew children were taught well. Hebrew children were very much instructed from their fathers. They were very, very religious and went to church faithfully. They were there. And David knew a lot of things. In fact, let me tell you something. I was in Israel, and I met up with a shepherd that started telling me all kind of stuff. Since I'm a pastor, I wanted to know everything about how they thought. One of the things, though, he was talking to me about is he was telling me some stuff. And watch what he told me, Pastor Brian. He said, well, in your society, he says, y'all are known for, for beating people up with the Bible. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't, right? Y'all know it happens in church, right? You're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. He said, that's not our philosophy. He said, our children don't reject the word of God because they don't view it like rules and regulations. He said, in fact, when a, 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 when a, when a, a Jewish child is young, he said, we take the scroll, the Bible, we dip it in a vat of honey. And when they wake up in the morning, their treat every day when they wake up is they get to lick the honey off of the scroll. So that the next time the high priest unrolls the scroll to read them, the principles and the oracles of God, they have a sweet flavor in their mind of that scroll. So he said, that's where taste and see. So he said, we, we had traditions growing up. David is looking at this giant. But David understands he's from the land of Gath. And David knew the stories. Y'all remember when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen? And they brought it to the land of Gath? And they brought it in their temple? And they put the Ark of the Covenant in front of Gath's God called Dagon? And three days later, they went into the temple and Dagon was fallen over. His feet were broke off. His hands were broke off. His head was broke off, which was a sign to them, letting them know the God you serve called Dagon can't take you anywhere, can't defend you, and can't see you in your trial. David knew that Goliath was serving false gods. So he wasn't intimidated. If God be for me, does anybody know the rest of it? David is out there. David is serving. I'm almost done. Don't lie. I'm, hey, it's 3 o'clock my time. I'm hungry already. <laughs> Got to get back tonight. Watch this. David is standing out there, and David says, Watch. What does the brother get that beats this dude? They all hiding. David says, no, wait a minute. And he taught me a lesson. I, I always now, I pick my conflict based on compensation. Now quiet. Don't fight a battle just because you believe you can win it. Fight a battle because you believe it's worth it. Let me say it a different way in an American style. Pick your fights and 
David wants to know the compensation of the aggravation. And they tell him, her. Her? Yeah. The king's daughter. Y'all better hear me now. When they showed him Saul's daughter, David got a confirmation in his spirit. See, we think David just jumped out there and went to fight. No, no. Something got confirmed because watch this. He should have never been anointed king because he wasn't in the king's lineage. He was in Jesse's lineage and they had no kings. And the nation would not follow a man that did not come from a king's bloodline. But if you marry his daughter. So David sees God's plan start unfolding like a rose. And he said, whoa, this is the first step of God proving that I'm going to be king. And so David looks over there, and that's probably where he wrote, you know, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> he, walks, he, he walks out there, and watch this. David goes out there. I'm almost done. David goes out there, and, and they look at him, and they say, what are you? What are you? you you're just a kid. You can't do it. You can't defeat him. You're a child. Are y'all with me, Balcony? I want you to notice something in life. You will always find people that will criticize you. Listen to me. Telling you not to do something just because they're not willing to do it. Oh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It's because they don't want you to do it because they're not willing to do it. You know what I have found in my life, and I've done this music for 40 years, and my life, and I've done pastoring and written books and all kinds of stuff, and my music, especially in the area of music, it goes through a thing called critics. And critics will review your albums and review your songs. And through the years, they've, they've not all written the greatest things about my songs or my albums or whatever. But you know what I found out after researching very deeply? Most critics have never created what they criticize. That went over your head. That's, that's, that's tweetable right there. Most critics have never created what they criticize. Are you here? I mean, you got Stephen A. Smith. I, 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 let me tell y'all. I'm going to tell y'all. He better. Hey, hey, hey. And he ain't never strapped on a, a pair of shorts to go on an NBA stage. He ain't never put a helmet on to go play in the NFL. He's never put a bat, baseball bat in his hand and stood at a 100-mile fastball. But he can tell everybody else how they're not doing it right. Shut up. Don't listen to people like that. He's got his sling. In his pocket. And Saul says, put my armor on. David says, no, I'm not doing it. He had insight. You know why? The whole reason David was going to be king is because God said, I've rejected Saul because Saul was filled with pride. Because in two chapters earlier, God told Saul to kill all the Amalekites. He didn't do it. And so God said, because of your pride, I'm going to take the kingdom from him and give it to David. So David knew if I use Saul's armor and I defeat this giant, then God won't get the glory. Saul will. Everybody will say it was Saul's sword. It was Saul's shield. It was Saul's helmet. It was Saul's armor that did it. So David said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm going to use what got me here. And let me tell you something. Don't ever drop the principles of God. 
through my life of success or whatever it's been in any area of my ministry, I've still stayed the same Louisiana boy I've always been because I remember what got me there. And if you will keep doing what got you there, you can stay there. Because practice don't make perfect, it makes permanent. When you continue to put things into practice. David is standing there and he, he decides, I'm, I'm using the, the simple things. But watch this, God will put you through simple principles to show you great things. Y'all don't remember? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? How, how many of y'all over like 45 years old? Y'all 45 years old. Okay, y'all remember the Karate Kid? Remember the Karate Kid? Well, there was a prophet in that movie called Miyagi. That's for the younger people that don't know. Oh, it's a prophet. Yeah, he was a prophet. And, and, and the little karate guy was getting bullied all the time. So he comes to Mr. Miyagi because Mr. Miyagi is Asian. And he assumes that Mr. Miyagi knows how to fight. So, so he says to Mr. Miyagi, he says, can you teach me how to do karate? And Mr. Miyagi says, yes, yes. And the first day he showed up, you know what Mr. Miyagi did? He said, come over here. And he brought him to his car in the, in the driveway. Y'all don't remember this? And he put, a, he put a thing on his hand and he put some wax. He said, okay, okay. Wax on. Wax off. And you should have seen that little kid, the you know, karate kid. He's looking at him like, huh? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Wax on. Wax off. And more that kid's looking at him and he's saying, I didn't come here to be your errand boy and to be your, your cut your grass and wax your cars and all that. I came here to learn how to defend myself when I get in trouble. He said, oh, oh no, no, wax on. Y'all don't remember that? It was like irritating. Wax off. And the little boy would start to come and Mr. Miyagi would say, oh, 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 wax on, wax off. And the kids would walk by and make fun of the little guy because, oh, you ain't nothing but his little old handyman. He's using you, you idiot. And the whole time. But one day they came and they cornered him in an alley. And when they did, Mr. Miyagi hadn't given him any big insight on karate. But everything he learned through the principles of doing what he needed to do for the man he was serving. Y'all ain't hearing me. He, it, it kicked in. And when they went to attack him, he... And they freaked out because he had skills to block and to move and to strike and to hit. But it was built in the principles of being a servant when nobody wanted to do what he was doing. If you will do what nobody else wants to do in the kingdom, there'll come a day when you'll step in the light and go, now I see why that was all worth it. I see why I went through the hell and the trial and the trouble. Touch your neighbor, say wax on and wax off. He's standing there and he's looking not just at a problem. He's looking at a promise. And David is standing there and Goliath says, Today, little man, I'm going to take your head off your shoulders and I'm going to feed your head to the fowls of the earth. And David's standing, he's 14 redhead. The Bible said he was Rudy. 
He was redheaded, little old kid, freckles, probably everything, just standing there. Probably looked a lot like Pastor when he was 14. He's standing there. And David goes like this. The Bible says, and David, y'all better hear me. Not Jesse's, not Samuel's, reached in his back. Because let me tell you something. There's going to come a day whenever Pastor Brian won't be there to go, come on, somebody. Come on. That's his favorite line, you know, come on. He's not teaching you. It's already in you. And one day you're going to have to reach into your bag and pull out a smooth stone. And David said this, watch this. He wrote this later, Pastor Natalie. He said this, he said, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. Y'all missed that. David said, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. David said, I'm standing on a rock. And when I let go of this rock, God's going to get on it. Because he's not just the God I stand on, he's God of my rock. Don't worry about your ministry, your gift, and your outcome being a success. If God is on it, if God is your voice, if God is your talent, if God is your money, if God is everything to you, then when you loose it and let it go, it cannot be defeated. David is standing there, and he starts... Winding up that sling. And everybody's looking at him like y'all looking at me. Like I... He's winding up that sling. And David, the Bible says, looks at Goliath and says, The same God that delivered me from two things you wouldn't even fight is more than able. And the Bible says he let that rock go. And when he did, the Bible says, y'all better hear me because I'm closing right here. I'm going to, I'm going to Popeye's. I'm, I'm done. That the rock struck Goliath in the center of the forehead. And I said, Lord, I know the story. The story is that when Goliath fell down, David ran over, got his sword, and cut his head off. Why, why wouldn't he just hit him in the knee? Why hit him in the head? He said, because I had to go all the way back and show the devil. You might bruise his heel, but he will destroy your head. And I had to bring him down. Now, y'all watch how God is. I'm telling you the God you serve versus the giant that you're facing in your life. That giant stood there, and when that rock hit him, Pastor Brian, you would think that the validity of that rock going forward would knock somebody back. If I hit you in the head, your head don't come forward. Your head goes back. But the Bible says that when that rock hit Goliath in the head, that Goliath fell forward. Why? Because God wanted him in a worshiping position and said, I'm going to bring your enemy down to his knees because every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that God is God and who he said he was. And watch this, watch this. I promise you, hear me. I instantly reading this story after a hundred thousand times of reading it, I saw something. The Bible says David comes and pulls Goliath's sword out of its sleeve. You know what that tells me? He wasn't there to fight. 
If you're about to fight and your enemy is swinging their weapon at you, the last thing you're going to do is leave your sword in your sleeve. Goliath thought, this ain't going to be no different than the rest. He's going to run like everybody else. But David didn't run. He ran toward the giant, not away from the giant. Now here it is. You say, Bishop, you said all of that. What does that have to do with two birds with one stone? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I can send you home with this. David, watch. The only reason God allowed Goliath into David's path was because, watch, Jesse got the confirmation of who David was in his living room. Samuel got the confirmation of who David was when he walked in it. But nobody in the kingdom had gotten confirmation of who David was. So God tells me, the first thing you need to know is, is that I needed this moment for David to be established in the eyes of the people. Because they went away talking about him bigger than he really was. They said, Saul's killed his thousands, but David is ten thousand. That's the first dude he killed. So David gets established as a warrior in front of the whole nation in one moment. But that's only the first bird. There's a second bird. Every warrior, their sword was representative of their kings. Their kings, when they won a battle, Pastor, they would cut a square of material out of the king's robe that they fought. And they would sew it to their robe, which is called a train. So if you conquered 50 Nations, armies, you would have 50 patches of material sewn to your train. So that when you walked in front of your people, it built confidence in the people because they saw all the battles you had won and all the kings you were greater than. That's why the Bible says when it comes to God, Isaiah said, I looked up there and found him in the temple and his train filled the temple. That's why we sing, he's never lost a battle. But a, a warrior didn't have a train. He had a sword. And on that sword, every time he defeated the top warrior of the other nation, they would give that warrior. Have you ever seen a sword where they had a, a, a jewel on the top of the handle? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They would dig that, that jewel out of that handle and they would attach it to that warrior's sword. So when people saw his sword, they were impressed and they were afraid because they saw how many battles he had already won. Because his sword was covered with jewels. And David got it. And if you read the life of David, he kept Goliath's sword the rest of his life. And every time he got in trouble, they would bring Goliath's sword out to remind him of what God had already done and what God already did, God can do. That ain't the kicker, though. Here's the kicker. When I saw it, I, it all just backed up in my brain. You know how my brain works when it comes to, to, to scriptures and stuff. I saw it, I said, oh, it adds up. It, it all comes together. Goliath... His name is soothsayer. His weapon is his mouth. And his fear is gathered from his 
handle on his sword covered in precious stones. And the Lord said there was another warrior who thought he was a bad warrior, but he never won one battle. And his body was covered in precious stones, emeralds, diamonds, pearls, sapphire. And when he walked in the heavens, the very breath he would breathe would come out in harmonies. His name was Lucifer. Lucifer had no sword to fight. All his, he can do is, is run that mouth. He's just a talker. He ain't no doer. If you stand up to him, he's going to coward and run. The Bible says, watch me now. The Bible says, he, the Bible didn't say that God told them in Revelation, here comes a mighty, powerful, unbelievable foe. The Bible says, here comes the accuser of the brethren. All he can do is try to cause division. All he can do is try to talk you out of your purpose. All he can do is try to tell you you're nobody, you're nothing, and you're never going to amount to anything. All he can do is tell you that you're unworthy and you're not holy and remind you of your past because he does not have omnipresence and he does not have the understanding of knowing all things. He cannot see the future, but he can look at the past and say, you did this, 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 and this. You're not qualified. You're The sling you're carrying is not going to do it. You don't have what it takes. You're just a little old nobody from the backside of California in Whittier, California. But I came to tell somebody up in here today that the way you're going to defeat the enemy is like David did. David knew you ain't nothing but talk. And today, I'm going to close your mouth for the last time. And today, you will no longer threaten the armies of God. And David left with the wealth of Goliath. He didn't just leave with the title of champion he left wealthy because the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous and God said I'm about to bless you press down shaking together and running over are you here today everybody stand up on your feet the other day you can play softly so they'll know I'm closing Somebody say tonight. I tell you, I got something for you tonight. Don't stay home. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing on TV anyway. Ain't no football yet. Watch this. The other day, I was in, where was I? I forget the state. I was in another state. And I was ministering for a pastor, and he introduced me to a young man. He's about five foot seven. How you doing, man? Good. He said, my mom really loves your music, and she couldn't be here today, and I just wanted to meet you to tell her that I met you. I said, oh, okay, thank you so much. And he left. I looked outside, and this young guy was getting in a Bentley. And I was like, what? drug dealer he's getting in a Bentley and I told I looked at the pastor I go my lord you got a wealthy family he goes no just the opposite I said what do you mean 
said, when he was four, his mother was a heroin addict. And the man that she was married to that wasn't his father because he never knew his father abused him physically and sexually at four years old. Robbing him of his innocence and his youth. Made him angry. Hating the world. And he never could grow more than five foot six inches. Puny. Beat on all his life. He said the man that was his stepdad in his house one day took him when he was eight and shared him with 20 men for drugs. Now when you think you've had a hard life, just know somebody's always got it worse off than you do. Well now my mind's really racing because I'm like, oh, it must be a drug dealer or a bank robber or something. Five foot six. Couldn't have weighed more than 130 pounds and went. Just a little old guy. He said, but let me tell you something. He said, that kid grew up and got finally out of the foster home and got adopted. When he got adopted, his father that adopted him with the wife died of a heart attack. So he was just with the mother. And his father worked for Enron out of Houston, Texas. And Enron, his father thought he had millions of dollars of, 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 of life, I mean of a retirement and 401k. And when his mother opened up all the paperwork, had nothing because Enron had blown it all. They lived in their car for three years. She would not go ask for government help because she was afraid they would take him from her. If she reported we're homeless, they would call the you know, authorities to come take the kid. So she kept him under wraps for three years. This guy noticed him sleeping every day in the car. He walked over and knocked on the window, and she thought he was a police officer, but he wasn't. He said, I notice y'all sleeping in here every night. That ain't good for that kid. She said, I promise you, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. He goes, no, 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 I'm cool. He goes, you want a place to just stay? She said, yeah. He said, I own a gym over here. And there's an apartment at the top of that gym that my brother used to live in. Don't live in it anymore. Y'all can move in it. They moved in it. And every day, he'd come downstairs to that gym. And he'd pick up water bottles, you know, the pots and throw them away and clean stuff. And every now and then, he'd get to hit that bag and do things. And he grew up fighting. And he came through the ranks of the Golden Gloves. And he won the Golden Glove World Championship, lightweight. And the pastor told me, he said, last year he went into the ring and became the light heavyweight champion of the world. And they paid him $10 million for the fight. Changed his life. Watch. Pastor told me, he said, his odds were 90 to 1 to lose. He said, but you know what? When you step in the ring and you've got something to fight for, it beats the will of the man across the ring that's only fighting to. Y'all miss that. 
One's fighting for something. The other one's fighting to get something. Walked in a champion and left in the sixth round on his back because he didn't have any purpose in that ring other than getting another belt and some money. He said, what that guy didn't know was that that boy standing in that ring had made a promise to God. If you get me out of this poverty, the first thing I'm going to do is get my mama out of it. The second thing I'm going to do is get my pastor and his wife out of it. The third thing I'm going to do is build us a new church. The fourth thing, you hear what I'm saying? And he kept going down the list. And he said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, when he was done doing what he promised God to do, he had $200,000 left for himself and bought that car. Because he said, all I ever saw was this car in my life as a goal for me personally. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I said, he said, yeah, he said, you see that church over there? That's $3 million. He wrote the check. He said, me and my wife, we live in a brand new house up here. We were in a parsonage in a one-room bedroom attached to a little broken-down church. He said, now we've got a $600,000 home three miles from here. His mother lives in a $1.7 million house up here in, in, in the hills uh, outside of Detroit. His da 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 And he started naming everything. He said, then he went in, and then he went to the person that connected him with the foster home care that got him in the home with his mother and bought her a car. And then he went over here and bought this and bought that one. And I said, well, my God, he ended up with nothing. He said, well, not really, he said, because he said, he just told me the other day, he don't know how much it is, but his last fight was $30 million. And he won it, but the guy is that he beat has, has it, uh, has, you know, has put out some kind of appeal for it, so it held the money up. He said, but he's, he's, he's going to get all the money. Listen to me. If you look at nothing but what you've been through and what you're in, it will zap you of your strength to keep going. Because sometimes the enemy, and I'm going to show you tonight how to handle that, can look overwhelming. But the problem is, it's who are you listening to? Because whoever you listen to has your future. And whoever you believe frames your faith. And I came all the way to California to tell you this. If you want the best of life and you want to fulfill your purpose, you don't have to jump through any hoops. You can do it. Two birds, one stone. Jesus set all of hell that were captive free when he went into that tomb. And when he came out, he had redeemed all of mankind forever. And there was only one stone story he gathered and he reached with one stone I came to tell you today God has something great for you and the devil cannot defeat you he cannot deny you what God has for your life look at somebody next to you and tell him say you are more than a conqueror through Christ come on let's give Jesus a shout of praise
You don't want to miss tonight, 6 p.m., but we want the ushers to come forward. We want to bless Bishop Clint for being here. We always love to bless people when they come in and minister and sow into their ministry. So I want everyone right now just to let's take a moment, just bless this man of God financially. If you are giving online, you can just give special guests. And we just want to bless Bishop Clint. Now they come up here. Would you pray for the offering? We want to bless this man of God. He left his church. He left Florida to come here and be with us. So if you want to give a special offering to Bishop Clint, you can give under special offering at crcity/give. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the man of God. We thank you, Lord, for the prophetic gifting on his life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that he brought a word in season, a word on time, a word that is establishing faith here this morning. We thank you for his ministry, for his family. Bless him in all he does. Bless Judah Church. Bless his children. Bless his wife. Thank you, Lord God, for southbound, Lord Jesus. Begin to multiply and increase the anointing on those men of God as they are bringing the word and truth all over the world. We thank you, Lord God, for the man of God. And we just put this in your hand here this morning, Lord, to multiply it in Jesus' name. Ushers, you can receive the gift right now. Are you grateful for the man of God that was here with us this morning? 6 p.m. tonight. Come on, let's give Jesus one more shout of praise. What an awesome day. I know the worship team's going to come back, but... There's no formal dismissal. Whenever you feel free to go, we're going to open up these altars as well. God bless everybody. 6 p.m. tonight. Amen. All right. God bless.